they chant and champion their god or their gods and say, our god is the god of war, our god is the god of the sea. We sacrifice to him so he will appease us and we'll be great and victorious in battle and we'll have a bountiful harvest or whatever it is. And here comes the Christians and we say, our god died. I was going to tell a railroad joke, but I lost my train of thought. Oh, and then I had a joke about chemistry, but I knew it wouldn't get a reaction. Boom, two jokes. Welcome, everyone, to episode 203. So glad to have you with us. If this is your first time listening, please rate and review this podcast. Uh, We start every episode with a dad joke. I hope you enjoyed those two, two for the price of one. And the best way you can share this podcast with your family and friends is to tell them uh, face-to-face, in person, go listen to this. But if you do it on social media, make sure you tag us at Man of Food for Thought on Instagram. You can find all of our social media handles and ways to contact us on our website, manafoodforthought.com or manafft.com. While you're there at the website, uh, click on subscribe and you can get our weekly Psalm Reflection emailed straight to you every Wednesday. And click on the give button if you feel so inclined. You can contribute to the financial cost of this podcast for as little as $1 a month to become a patron. And patron get, patrons get perks. You can send me questions. We can interact on Patreon. And, you know, you, you get access to cool things. So thank you so much for all of you who support the podcast, for tuning in, for listening. Let's get into our joy, junk, and Jesus. My joy was that this past weekend we went to my sister's baby shower. She is due in the next month or two with uh, my nephew, their second child. Uh, his name's going to be Asher. Nice Old Testament Bible name. Very much a fan. And uh, yeah, it was just really beautiful to see their community rallying around them. They live in the town where we grew up. And so uh, it is a small town. It can get kind of isolated up there. So it's really great to see that they have a really wonderful church community and family community up there and to just be a little part of that. Um, And I also won a ton of the uh, baby shower games. I have this weird thing where if, if you invite me to a baby shower, for some reason, even if I'm putting in very little effort, I win almost every game, if not every game. And it kind of, it, like, I don't even have to intend to. I think I need to just stop entering the games because sometimes it dampens the party. And, uh, yeah, but I, I won a lot and it was great. Um, my junk is that you could probably hear there is something wrong with my throat. Uh, I feel great. I sound like I ate a pack of cigarettes or something. I sound terrible. Uh, my throat is just very dry. I think it was the change in atmosphere and, and environment and allergens from going up and down the mountain in one day this weekend uh, for that baby shower. So uh, I'm recovering from that. So just pray for me, please. Um, my Jesus moment, though, is that we have our parish mission going on right now. And, uh, yeah, it's just a really incredible time to encounter the Lord and really powerful things are happening. Um, it's really interesting. You know, last year we had a packed church for this mission and this year it's a different mission, but same organization running it and, uh, not a packed church. And we have a few hundred people there. It's, it's by no means small, but I think it can be very discouraging. And I just felt very clearly the Holy Spirit told me yesterday, like a full church of empty hearts is going to do me nothing. And, Hearts will be changed at this mission even more so than last year's to the point where the fruitfulness will be a hundredfold from this mission versus last year's. And that was just really a word that the Holy Spirit, I think, spoke to me in a moment where 
think other people on the team or people were being like, oh, people aren't showing up. And I was just like, you know what? This is great. Like people are here. God knew people would be here. Um, you know, 12. He chose 12. He didn't need hundreds and thousands. He chose 12. And uh, if the spirit can move and Jesus can encounter a few people in a very powerful way, that can change everything. So um, I feel that we're in the midst of that and very exciting things are happening. And it is it is a large group of people that are here and very grateful for the speaker and the presenters and uh, or the speaker and the musician and uh, the whole team that's here to do this and our whole team from St. Tim's putting it together. It's really, really wonderful. So uh, yeah, I would tell you to come, but when you hear this, it'll already be over. So yeah, go to a parish mission next time you hear about it, I guess. So um, with that being said, let's get into our episode. We are in the third Sunday of Lent this Sunday. Uh, and the readings, depending on what mass you go to, you might encounter the OCIA elect and candidates, uh, and the elect will be going through the first scrutiny. So the third, fourth, and fifth Sundays of Lent have historically always been three Sundays where those who are seeking to enter the church through the sacraments at the Easter Vigil, where they are scrutinized before the congregation. In fact, in historic times, the bishop and uh, people in that church community would go interview people in their community and their friends and family to see if they were worthy, if they were really turning away from sin, and they were really serious about entering the church. And so that's where the word scrutiny comes from, is that they are scrutinized. Uh, here, we don't do that anymore in modern times. We, uh, we allow them to come forward so the public assembly can acknowledge them and pray for them. We uh, pray for the renunciation of sin. A uh, prayer of exorcism is prayed over them every single one of those weeks. Uh, the priest lays hands on them in prayer individually every single one of those weeks, uh, and they are edified in front of the community uh, every single one of those weeks. So it's a really beautiful uh, preparation, spiritual preparation process for those who are going through the OCIA. I say that because uh, during the scrutinies, they use the cycle A readings. So if we're going through this reading and then you show up at that mass and you're doing a whole nother set of readings, I don't want you to be mad at me. Uh, you get to participate in a really cool ancient rite of the church, but it just happens to have a different liturgy from cycle A. So you can go back in our podcast and find cycle a uh podcast episodes and i'm sure they will they will bless and benefit you but for us we're going to be looking at the cycle b second reading which is first corinthians chapter 1 verses 22 to 25 so first corinthians paul is writing to the church in corinth remember it is a cultural and trade epicenter it is uh has a uh a temple uh to um i can't remember who it's to not to artemis well, there's a temple there uh, that's famous for cult prostitution. There's a lot of immoral and lascivious behavior happening in Corinth. And so the early church in Corinth is really trying to root out immorality, to learn what it's like to be unified uh, in Jews and Gentiles alike, just like the Romans, and uh, to really learn how to discern what church community looks like, what spiritual gifts are valid and invalid, uh, how to kind of put together this community in such a way that we're working together and rooting out sin. So... That's the gist of 1 Corinthians. We're reading from the very beginning of the letter, um, so just part of the introduction, basically. So this is what Paul writes in the second reading today, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 through, 22 through 25. He says, Brothers and sisters, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those who are called, Jews and Greeks alike, Christ to the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. 
The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, I mean, this obviously, it reminds me of the passage from Isaiah, I believe 55, where it says, you know, my thoughts are above your thoughts, my ways are above your ways, says the Lord, um, that God has an upside down way of doing things, especially this line, we proclaim Christ crucified. All this is saying is like, the Jews are looking for signs, the Greeks are looking for wisdom, and we don't have that to offer. What we have to offer looks foolish if you're looking through the eyes of the world, but for those who know Christ, it makes perfect sense. We proclaim Christ crucified. And I was reflecting on this phrase, and it made me realize that being a Christian is absolutely nuts and makes no sense at all if Jesus is not God. Like, think about it. Like, every other culture at this time and throughout history that has worshipped false gods or believed in some other version of God, they chant and champion their God or their gods and say, our God is the God of war. Our God is the God of the sea. We sacrifice to him so he will appease us and we'll be great and victorious in battle or we'll have a bountiful harvest or whatever it is. And here comes the Christians and we say, our God died. Human beings killed him, not another God, not some great battle, just ordinary people killed our God. If Christianity like is a lie, it is the stupidest, most ridiculous and illogical lie ever told. Like how could billions of people possibly be so convinced if we stand on such shaky and unbelievable foundations, like this makes no sense and is not worthy of being believed if there were not enough evidence to compel people that it were it was absolutely true when it happened and for generations after. We proclaim Christ crucified. And yes, it is crucifixion and resurrection. There is victory over death. But we proclaim his death because it really happened. And we're meant to take Christ's death as an example. How are we dying to self? How are we being poured out for others as Christ was poured out for us on the cross? And so perhaps the second reading, brothers and sisters, is an invitation for you and I to consider how is the Lord inviting you to minister out of your brokenness, to pour out into the lives of others, even if that means talking about your own suffering because there is a purpose to your suffering. You know, in the culture today, in, in, in the culture that Paul was writing to in Corinth and in Rome and, and even today's culture now, we're surrounded and they were surrounded by false gods of other dominions and powers who more than they needed to be told the truth about God, like they thought the way to fulfillment was through power and wealth and comfort and luxury and pleasure, not by taking up their cross. They needed to be told the truth about God. We still need to be told the truth about God. And this is what Paul continues to tell the community in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8-12. through 12, He says this, We are afflicted in every way, but not constrained perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being given up to death for the sake of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. 
This is a beautiful reality that there is life that comes out of death, that there is beauty in our brokenness and in our suffering. You've probably heard this tradition of Japanese kintsuki bowls, that if a, a precious bowl breaks, they don't throw it away. They bind it back together, and in the glue or the binding material, they lace it with gold. And so it becomes these golden shining cracks of this bowl so that the creation becomes even more beautiful as a result of its brokenness. Brothers and sisters, that is a very perfect image of the Christian life. That we are meant to be glorified and glorifying God in our weakness. This is what Paul says at the end, toward the end of that letter of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, where he says, That I might not become too elated, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, an angel of Satan to beat me, to keep me from being too elated. And three times I begged the Lord about this, that it might leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. I will rather boast most gladly of my weaknesses in order that the power of Christ may dwell with me. Therefore, he says, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and constraints for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, that I am strong. Brothers and sisters, if you are suffering, and I know some of you absolutely are, I want to remind you that you will be healed. It is only a matter of time. In this life or the next, whatever suffering you're experiencing will be, as St. Teresa of Avila says that I've been quoting a lot lately, even the most, the most uh, uh, immense life of suffering will seem but one night in an inconvenient motel when we get to the glory of heaven. And so when suffering happens to you, brothers and sisters, do not ask, why me? Why is this happening? But ask instead, what is this for? Who is this for? How can I use this to glorify you? How can I offer up my suffering as a prayer for others, just as I offer up fastings or intentions for them, just as Christ offered up his suffering for our salvation? I can offer up my suffering as a prayer for other people so that they will know the salvation of Jesus Christ. When we give our brokenness to God, he can shine through the cracks. He can glorify it so that when we share that brokenness with others, he is glorified. Now, I will say this, brothers and sisters, if, if you are feeling there's suffering in your life that maybe in your past that you need to share so that others will come to know Jesus, I want to caveat this and say, if it's not healed, don't share it, at least not openly. Share it in ways that will bring healing Share it with those who you trust, who love and support you, and can draw you into deeper community. But first, you need to heal. Seek out therapy, spiritual direction, confession, anointing of the sick. Let go of the attachment that we can sometimes have to suffering. You know, there are a lot of people out there who have suffered so much trauma in their life that when things start to go well, they self-destruct and they start crying out and 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 creating problems where there is none because they're so used to being victimized, abused, and traumatized that they cannot imagine life without it. And it becomes an insecurity almost to let go of that identity as a victim or someone who's been traumatized or abused. And they can slip right back into that same mode of looking at the entire world as things or people who are out to get them, as dangerous. And so we need to heal or we can fall right back in to the same patterns. Sometimes spiritual and emotional realities like anxiety, stress, depression, grief, and trauma, they can actually also manifest in the form of physical pain and infirmities. 
and spiritual warfare can enter here. The devil loves those uh, kind of emotional and spiritual realities that manifest physically because if he amplifies the trigger, if he can amplify the stress or the emotion, he amplifies the pain. He can, in essence, attack both body and soul, which in many ways are the things he is jealous of us for having because the devil and the demons and the angels, they are just spirit. They are not a body and a soul. It's part of the reason some theologians speculate why Satan rebelled because they could not fathom how ridiculous it would be that God would create a creation greater than the angels in the sense that they were given both body and soul and that God would eventually become one of them that would enter into a physical body. And so brothers and sisters, if you are in need of healing, if you're being in, afflicted physically and or spiritually, and if you feel that being amplified with spiritual warfare, or feel it not going away or getting more and more intense, especially more and more intense, the closer you get to things of the spiritual life, ask for healing with expectant faith. Speak words out loud of deliverance. Say, Satan, I bind, renounce, and rebuke your presence in my life. Claim the authority you have over your body, over your life, over your marriage, over your family and your children, and ask through the intercession of St. Michael, through the Holy Family, through the intercession of your guardian angel, that the spiritual chains surrounding your physical ailments would be broken and you would be set free in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Seek that healing. Claim that healing for yourself. And when you feel it is healed, it doesn't mean that the pain or the wound goes away. But it means that you can talk about it in such a way that it's not destructive or traumatizing all over again. When you are able to do that, brothers and sisters, this is how we proclaim God's glory through our weakness. And we glorify him. We share it. We give testimony. We show people the golden cracks of those kintsuki bowls in our lives. It's easy to argue about church teachings. It's not easy to argue about a person's experience with supernatural healing, which is why your testimony can be the best the best piece of evidence or proof a person may need to give Jesus a try, to come and respond to an invitation. We proclaim Christ crucified. And we do so by not running away from our suffering, but by finding purpose in it, by offering it up for others and allowing it to be a conduit for our own healing and for God to be glorified. What do you have to offer, brothers and sisters? Yes, gifts, money, time, your presence, all those things are valuable. But also, what pain, what suffering, what sin, what struggle? Remember, Paul writes in Romans 5, For just as through the disobedience of one person the many were made sinners, so through the obedience of one the many were made righteous. He goes on to say, As sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through justification for eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He says in between those verses, where sin increased, Grace overflowed all the more. It doesn't mean that we have permission to keep sinning so we'll get more grace. What it means is that when we acknowledge our sin, it is the conduit of the grace of God to pour into our life. And so when you share your struggles with sin with other people, that can be a source of grace in your life and in theirs. God can and will use your suffering, your pain, your sin, your struggle, your loss, your grief, your addiction, your doubt, your broken family, your broken marriage, your doubt about your vocation, your difficulties in your faith and in life and with money and with career and with mental health and mental illness and emotional pain with abuse and trauma, he will use it all. And he will, in some miraculous and mysterious way, bring a greater good out of it if you let him. 
And that greater good is not just for your healing, brothers and sisters, but it is to be offered as redemptive suffering for the healing of others and so that God's glory would be made, made known not only in our lives, but in the lives of anyone else who will listen to your story. So brothers and sisters, seek healing and allow God to be glorified through that healing by sharing. That is what the second reading proclaims to me, and I hope it resonates with you this week, invites you into deeper reflection on how we proclaim Christ crucified and how you might live out those crucifixion moments for his glory as his crucifixion led to his ultimate glory in the resurrection. That is all I have for you this week, my brothers and sisters. Until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless. Thank you.